We've got different finishing times. We're roughly say nine months with the double wood and six months with the Caribbean cask and, and a shorter finish for the port wood. So it's, it's all about maintaining the, the kind of quality style of Balvenie without overpowering, overpowering the whiskey. So it's getting just that right time. That was Balvenie master distiller David Stewart discussing his thoughts on how long whiskey should be finished in different casks. Now, Balvenie Scotch is one of my absolute favorite brands, and they rarely disappoint with a cheap marketing grab. Every one of their expressions is developed and aged with care, and a select few of my favorite bottles will always be on my shelf. On this episode, Grant Brown joins me to taste some of Balvenie's core offerings. Grant is the producer of this podcast and is one of my oldest friends, so it's only fitting to have him take the hot seat and join me uh, for some samplings on this first full format style episode. Filmmaker, content creator, professional liberty defender, fellow whiskey connoisseur, but most importantly, a great friend. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning, in the morning. Nothing could be sweeter than my sweetie when I meet her in the morning, in the morning, where the morning glories twine round my door. Whispering Come on, man. I'm feeling good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. I, 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 I wanted to start this off with you because you've done you've, you've been on the podcast with me before and I don't think people know you and I think this is a great chance for us to kind of flesh out some details about your life so you are fully known by the world oh, yes my my fucking nightmare anyway can I swear on this show I don't know yes you can fucking swear on the show well because I know you like bourbon um I I, I try to share with people who like bourbon or like the sweeter notes of things um uh, something that is comparable to that and there's a lot of scotches that have flavor profiles that not not only mimic but really uh, accent and and maybe even make better that sweeter palate that that someone might have from bourbon because bourbon to me i love it and there's some great bourbon but it's very basic it's like three or four flavor profiles that every bourbon has you have your corn you have your caramel your toffee your 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 baking spices and it, it, some are better than others, and uh, bourbon that has rye spice, I like that too. But scotch has a much more complex flavor profile, and there's a lot out there that a lot of bourbon drinkers would love to have, but they turn their nose up to it because it says scotch. And I've, I've chosen these three samples for you while we have this discussion and we get to know more about you from Balvini, which is a distillery in Scotland. You've tried one of them with me before, but... I, I'm personally familiar with all three. Having all three of these offerings together, back to back, really informs the palate and kind of highlights the flavors you may not be aware of. First off, we're gonna start with a sip of the Balvini 12-year Double Wood, which is the glass on your left. And then we'll move into the 14-year Caribbean cask, which is, I know you've had that one, um, and it's one of my favorites ever. And then the 16-year French Oak. I'll tell you more about them as we try them, but we're gonna start with the 12-year. First of all, cheers. Thanks for coming. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you sending these over. This is so cool. Like, I've treat me to whiskey. This is awesome. I love it. That's right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So the Devilwood 12 year launched in 1993, and they use a process that's now known commonly as wood, uh, wood finishing. After aging for 12 years in traditional whiskey casks consisting of American oak, ex-bourbon barrels, and hogsheads, the spirits then moved to uh, Spanish uh, ex-oloroso sherry casks for about nine additional months. The whiskeys then transferred to a large oak vessel called a ton for about three to four months to allow the whiskeys from individual casks to marry. So this comes in at about 40% ABV, and it's the flagship of Balvini. It's their main offering right now. It's available at every liquor store you can find um, for about 50 bucks. And to me, this is a very, very good basic scotch. Uh, the double oaked feature gives us a lot of mellow toasted barrel flavor but has a lot of sweet uh, sweet fruit notes from the sherry cask, which sherry is a, 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 basically a wine. Um, I don't know, what, what, do you, what do you think about it? I know it's a... So that double wood, I mean, like that immediately calls my memory back to like, you know, what I love, the double oaks from Woodford, right? Like classic American bourbon that has that like really kind of... And I don't, I mean, I, I was wondering if that was like the same process. Like, I, I, I don't actually know what double oaked means when it comes to Woodford, but like when double wood to me this, I definitely taste that kind of barrel flavor the agedness and then yeah that sherry like i've had other sherry stuff before but this is this is really good and yeah, it has just that little bit of a little sweetness and that that little bit of vanilla stuff on top of that kind of scotch flavor that i kind of know and love you know yeah this is fantastic one thing i love about this one is that it's really rounded out by like some cinnamon spiciness to it it has a little bit of a almost like a holiday feeling like you would almost have this at christmas time maybe even some nutmeg, but I, I thought this was a great intro and we're actually going in order of age uh, for Bavini and price, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's a, it's, it's a great initial offering and I, I hope you enjoy that. Save some for later. Uh, we're gonna do some comparisons down the road, but I kinda just wanna get into actually talking to you as we enjoy these whiskeys. I know you so well and you've, we've been doing the podcast for a while, but I want you to tell the audience about yourself. What did Grant Brown come from? How did Grant Brown come to be? Describe what built your character. I know it's a big question, but give me give me like your abridged biography that you would submit to to someone. All right. Well, I, I'm I am Grant Brown is of Laura Brown and Tracy Brown. Um, grew up in West Dallas, Wisconsin. You 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 know it. You lived there your early life as well. Just a suburb outside of Milwaukee. Pretty middle class, lower middle class life. Um, went to school at the West Dallas system and I'm the youngest of three brothers. So I guess I, 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 it's, it's kind of that like youngest brother, like you get the perks of getting away with a lot because the older brothers have kind of done all the shit that your parents get mad at. Um, and you get, I, I mean, I'm decently spoiled. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I've, you know, I've never had to struggle really hard when it comes to like my upbringing and, you know, I wasn't abused or anything like that. Like. Um, my dad's an engineer, so I clearly have like has that like um, left brain part of myself, the kind of logical, you know, suss everything out, be skeptical of things, really think. And then, um, I mean, there's the kind of artistic side too. Like a, a, among my three brothers, like we were always like like to like take the family VHS camera and make little movies. But I was always the one who was like really obsessed with watching movies like as early as i can remember like there's photos of me 
sitting watching Lion King and I would have to keep the, the VHS box right by my side to look at. And I was just so fascinated with, with movies and then, you know, watching Titanic when it came out on DVD in like 1999. And I remember my dad walking home with that DVD and I was like five years old. You're like, what is this movie? And it just blowing me away and having to close my eyes when Kate Winslet gets naked and all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was just an upbringing of like, we, our family always, it was the Saturday night. We'd sit down, we watch our favorite action movie laser disc, whether it's the original Terminator from James Cameron or total recall from Paul Verhoeven, or even the original Dune from David Lynch. Like these are all movies we owned on laser and watched on a weekly basis or i mean obviously we grew up with star wars the og star wars my dad loved or close encounters like some of his favorite movies they had to become our favorite movies and we loved them right um and it was just something that i i kind of really stuck with was wanting to tell stories originally in school i, I was i guess i had a what i i guess was highlighted by my parents and my teachers was like i always enjoyed writing right so i would like to write stories and we had the at Irving Elementary, you didn't go there, but I did. We had like the Washington Irving pub, publication where all every grade could submit like what they wrote, and it would get published in this like yearly book, basically. And I think like every year, like kindergarten through sixth grade, I got a story in. So it was like, oh, you're a great writer, grandson, and you like to tell stories. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's my destiny. I really like telling stories, and then quickly that became well i love movies i like telling stories what are the what's the combination of the two well i want to be a a filmmaker a director and you get up you start to explore the interesting parts of of film like you know i was a big kubrick fan when i was in sixth grade and i would put pictures of kubrick in my like about myself book that i made for my sixth grade class and it's like who's this insane hairy man you paste it into your book i'm like that's stanley kubrick how do you not know who stanley kubrick is like and I was that weird kid, right? Who, who, just—I mean, I, I have one language, and it continues to this day. Like I can talk to—I can talk endlessly about movies, but you know, when it comes to talking about—I don't know—like like sports, I just kind of like glaze over, and I'm just very one-track minded when it comes to that. So it's a miracle I made any friends whatsoever, and <laughs> but I found those niche people, and I was never like the cool kid. I was always just like—I don't know. It was, it was, I was. I always thought of myself as a weird artsy outcast kid who was, you know, I was always chubby and unsure of himself. And I don't know, I was, it was honestly, I still feel like I'm, I'm trying to find my confidence when it comes to a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I guess that's where I'm at now. Well, much like your dedication to movie making, you're going to love this transition. Balvini de- dedicates itself. <laughs> ah, oh, the reason you're no. hosting this. <laughs> I think it is time because we have been talking and I, I think I'm thirsty. I know you want to try the next scotch. Mm-hmm. Balvini, this next one is one of my favorites. Famous 14-year Caribbean cask. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to notice this is much sweeter. Uh, it's finished in rum casks. And like I said, it's one of my all-time favorites. But it's first matured for 14 years in just traditional American oak casks, um, usually scotch uses uh, ex-bourbon fill and then they of course finish it in a undisclosed amount of time in Caribbean rum and actually Belvini actually uh, painstakingly chooses their own blends of select West Indian rums to provide the perfect finish so that comes in at about 43% ABV uh, you can find this at most liquor stores for about 80 to 90 dollars depending this one actually has risen up in price quite a bit because of its popularity 
but uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts and how it compares to the 12 year that you just had just a bit ago. All right. Cheers, brother. Let's try cheers, it. man. Oh, yeah. Right away, I get that toffee, toffee flavor on there. Yep. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you hear I hear rum. I think I have a preconceived notion about rum because, I mean, like anybody in college, you have plenty of experiences, mostly bad with spiced rum. But that's just a far cry from like a really good Caribbean rum. Right. And Yeah, that's ooh. But that sweetness. Ooh, that's like, ooh, it's like a warm. I like that a lot. For, for me, a lot of a lot of good rum is kind of creamy and fruity mm-hmm. and has lots of like rich vanilla um, to it. And the, for whatever reason, the, the Balvenie figured this out, and it, it really this scotch really pulls out the rum flavors out of the wood, and it, it 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 rounds it all out in a very soft and lingering finish that 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 makes it almost sticky to the tongue and the teeth in a way that's satisfying. I, I don't know this this is this is one of my go tos. I will always have a bottle of this on my shelf, no matter how expensive it is, um, to share and to enjoy with other friends and family. It is so good and it has won awards left and right over the years but it is i will i will say it is the probably the best caribbean cask scotch on the market today big big noise so the um you uh, you said it's risen in price because of popularity last i checked this was like a 70 dollar bottle generally yeah so depending on where you are in the country um I was just in Milwaukee a little bit ago and, and saw you, of course, but at, at Discount Liquor by you, uh, one of the big liquor distributors in that area, it's going for about $75. Mm-hmm. Um, out, out by me in, in the D.C. area when, where there's more little liquor control going on with the state taxes and stuff, um, it's going for about 85 ish uh, and then if you go into smaller liquor markets like a, a liquor, a corner liquor store in a, you know, a bumfuck nowhere town um, where there isn't that much of a market, it's going to go close to $90 to $95. Wow. Um, here on uh, when, when, I, when I'm on a military base, if you go to the, the PX or a, it's all duty free for service members who are on post, it, it, it's about 70, 75 ish MSRP. Um, oh. So it does range quite a bit. It's just the the whiskey game in the market now. Got it. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. I gotta get a bottle of that. Was, yeah. I mean, I, I ever since I tried it at your place, I was like, I remember that being like, tier like number. It was like the number two behind. I think I tried the. Um, I fell in love at your place at that first time with the Oban Distillers Edition, which I don't yes. think, you think you can get anymore. No. Um, yeah, but this was this was like the number two. I remember really loving this one. And yeah, it has that that sweet, fruity, like again, that's something I don't necessarily associate with whiskey. It's like that kind of fruity note, but like that's, oh, it just works so well. I don't know. I love it. I can't speak highly enough about this scotch. Yeah. So Very good. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with some deeper questions now because we're, we're right. a couple sips in a whiskey and I think we've drank enough liquid confidence to really get to know Grant Brown. All right. I'm ready. So when was the last time that you felt proud? whether it be about yourself or someone else or a loved one? Um, I actually get, I'm, I'm getting a lot of fulfillment from my job in the last year, especially, and especially the last few months. As you know, I work, you, you worked there, it was at Pacific Legal, but I'm, it's the team I get to work with. 
they're also filmmakers. They've been making they make making liberty focused like videos for YouTube forever. That was kind of their beat, and they're probably the strongest video producers in the liberty space, as I've come to realize. And like, but like they're also just like incredibly ambitious about what they want to put together and work on. And I've kind of been folded in and just I don't know, I feel lucky every day that I get to work with them. But honestly, recently I've been working on projects. I don't know, like I just have these moments like I, I, I've I've I guess proven my worth up to this point because in the first year you get like maybe a handful of projects to work on. Um, but now I guess I rock those so well that like not to like be too self-congratulatory, I guess. Like it's just, you know, did a good enough job on them that they were like, all right, well now you're gonna we're gonna like quadruple your workload. And it just it gets to that point where I, I had it back out of college where I was I was I started an LLC where I produced like short films and we wanted to produce like one short film every month. And so you're managing multiple productions at once with like similar crews and there's a lot of crossover and you're managing budgets and schedules and all this stuff. But now it's just that times like 10 working at this job or managing like projects that range from like things that I've never done before where I'm in like a film guy. I can edit, I can shoot and I can manage a crew. But now I'm doing like visual design stuff for advertisements that are getting put in like national publications. I'm managing like multiple animated and live action short films that we're producing for our 50th anniversary basically. And I'm, I'm like concepting entire advertising campaigns that it's like it's still storytelling in a sense but you're telling the story of your clients and an organization and its history and it's like and like being able to put those together and then having it seen and then getting like a you're doing like you're getting from a team member who's like you're fucking rocking it like that's like it is genuinely music to my ears where I can just like, okay, I'm getting like a recognition from someone who I greatly respect. And it, it I, you know, it makes it, I, I feel proud at the end of the day when I was like, I was able to like finish this project among all other things. And also I get to like do it working from home and I get to leave my office and I get to go see the woman that I'm going to marry later this year and get to plan our wedding together. And I just it like, it energizes me. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting in that prime of my life moment where I'm like not broke anymore trying to put together a feature film. I'm getting to do what I love, get to work with people who I greatly respect and get to live cohabitate with a person I love. And I don't know, it's just, it all kind of blends together in this, like, I don't want to call it a pride soup, but like I, I have just those beats where I'm just like, Ooh, yeah, I, I, I feel proud about the person I'm becoming, you know? good you should be because i mean we've known each other for a while and we've got to watch each other grow up and get get jobs and be big boys and it's... yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you say about trying the next sample i would love to so so the, this next one is the 16 year old french oak i'm going I'm to tell you a little bit more about the, the distillery though because balvini actually isn't as old as many people think so in 1892 william grant uh, who obviously has a great name. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, he opened Balvini in the city of Dufftown, which is part of the Speyside region of Scotland. But their first single malt, which they're known for and what made them famous, didn't actually come out until 1971. And it soon saw David C. Stewart become the malt master, and he still is there today. He's the one, kind of the, the, the brains behind all their different blends and, and, and 
selections and the cask uh, selections and he's the one who helps you know suss out the the correct rum barrels for the caribbean cask but this last offering we're going to try is actually from a newer iteration that just recently came out within the past couple years um it ages 16 years in and finishes in french oak casks that previously held uh pignot de charente i think i'm saying that right it's french pignot de charente it's a fortified wine and it's made from unfermented grape juice mm. it comes in at about 47.6 percent abv and bottles a little bit harder to find but when you do find it it goes for about 150 to 200 dollars so it's more of a, a limited special run um obviously it takes 16 years to age so it's not as readily available so uh cheers man have a sip cheers. That's, thank that's, you so much this seems yeah. very special whoa oh my gosh it's very different than the caribbean yeah oh yeah i mean i don't even know how to describe that one that's like i mean once you start getting up there like i mean i i remember i recently had the like the 16 year Lagavulin at your wedding and I just fell in love with it and this this <laughs> is not an exception right now this is really good but it still has that like I mean like it gets to that it's like that smoky but like whiny oh like I'm like really starting to love that and even like I recently got a a, a bourbon I mean it's much lower end like it's not a 16 year but it's like a basil Hayden aged in wine casks or whatever but like yeah like and and i got one in france too when i visited a couple of years ago that um was aged in wine barrels too and it just yeah it's like having like a sip of some of like the best booziest delicious wine with that whiskey smoky edge to it as well so good and so this is this is very unique it's it's almost floral it has a little bit of a, a perfumey uh nose to it but also uh an earthy but well-rounded sweet wine flavor to it um almost citrusy in a way but refreshing it's almost like a like a summer drink it's not as it's not as scotchy as the previous ones especially right after them um but it, it definitely has a i don't know it's a unique character i can't place this but it, i love it i can definitely see having that like after like a meal or something like or even like before it's just like a little like wet your appetite kind of thing just something that opens it up a little bit and then like pairing it with like i don't know just like a delicious cut of meat or something be so good yeah i think this would go perfect with uh you know, i i guess a steak would do good but i think i think this might do good with like a a, a fish or a salmon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i could definitely taste that we have three whiskey samples in our in our stomachs. Uh, we're gonna come back to them, and at the end of this, I wanna I wanna rank them. So, leave at least a little bit left in each glass, but feel free to sip as we continue our, our discussion. It's always a fun one. I, I love to I love to ask people. If you were president of the United States for one day, a full twenty four hours, what would you do? Give give me give me your like your top five actions you would do as president in the united states oh my goodness Woo! i would pardon some fuckers um <laughs> actually yeah i mean i would i would i would do what nobody seems to want to do and there's a lot of mixed opinions on but like i think like a like a snowden and uh uh what's his name the uh wikileaks guy 
Assange. Assange. I'd probably throw pardons their way, honestly. Um, and then a bunch of like non-offensive drug people, honestly, and jails and stuff. I don't think I could turn around like legality of drugs in a day. Maybe I could sign an executive order that gets struck down, but you know, it's like what's practical in a day. Like, what could I actually do? Pardons I could do. Yep, probably pretty easily. Um, I mean, there's probably some people you just don't like otherwise get the chance to talk to, right? Like, I would probably try and talk to as many celebrities as possible. Just like get a meeting with them, you know? Like, let's 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 try and get on a call with fucking. Uh, I don't know, Kevin Feige, you know, I mean, I'm sure the president could talk to Kevin Feige tomorrow if he wanted to, right? It's the fucking president. So, yeah, let's let's get on some calls with some interesting people. They don't even have to be like entertainment celebrity people. They could be, you know, I want to talk to, you know, the president of New Guinea or something, right? Through a translator. Like, I don't know, just like (laughs) get to talk to these people you don't otherwise get on the phone. Um, That's two things. Third thing. I mean what's the what's the what what room do you get to sleep in as the president in the white house the, i would just uh, appreciate rooms i wouldn't otherwise get to go in in the white house or like fly oh, sure. on air force one you know no no, no. I, whatever whatever you think is the i mean whatever however you interpret the question what what are the, what are the things you do as president if, you, if your five things for as do, you're gonna do as president is go to every steakhouse and eat for free that, that's what you would do that's your i don't care if you want to if you want to like pass an executive order to like save the children that's also what you could do but it doesn't matter <laughs> like, I mean, well, what executive your... order could save all the children i have no idea <laughs> that was, that was a <laughs> <platitude>. <laughs> um, yeah no I, i'm just i'm like kevin McAllister here like i want to appreciate all the shit that the president probably doesn't get to appreciate on a day-to-day basis like it's like i know i don't yeah. have to be the president past the day so I'm like, right. yeah, let's fucking fly an Air Force One and go like eat at the fucking best French restaurant I can find. And I don't know, like tell Macron that he's a piece of shit. Like, I, you know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like five things right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe get just like a like a real good rundown from intelligence of like how fucked we are. Just so I know, like where I would be safe, like where I could flee to after I'm not president when shit goes down. I don't know. It's a good one. Just like, what's, what's the red alert areas? Like, what should I be immediately afraid of in the next like three months? And then like, where would I be safe? So I could just get some foreknowledge, just like a little bit, you know, cause obviously the president doesn't mm. get to know everything, but I'm sure they get to know some real shit. Oh yeah. Um, how afraid of this balloon, this Chinese balloon should I be? Uh, yeah. And it's, maybe it's peace of mind. Maybe it would just make it worse. I don't know. <laughs> Can I get a visit to Area 51? Is that You're like the a president. Uh, you could try. I, I, I'd assume so. <laughs> um, That's good. <laughs> I was trying to think of something with like military people, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess that's good. All right, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Going full James Lipton on me, but um, Yes. Oh, just a little, just one more bit of affirmation. You did a good job. I love it. Yeah. 
let's go let's go back through and let's just let's sit these on our own finish them off and i, I want to hear your ranking i want i want to know what you think uh what, what's top dog what's your least favorite and, and give me your whys what uh what about your favorite did you like what about your least favorite did you not like what one are you gonna go to the store and buy <laughs> um i mean going on my gut number one i don't want to you know like i this might be obvious already but the caribbean cask 14 year middle road guy is like i mean it's it is one of the best scotches i think i've ever tasted and i mean putting them side by side like like what does it have over the other two like it's just it's unique it has like a very uniquely scotch flavor but also it's like it's it stands on its own among like other scotches i would say and even just these ones here like i think there's a reason that this one is clearly like rising in popularity and it's getting pretty big and like it's like trade-off for like affordable like not it's not an affordable bottle like it's expensive but it's not like you know french oak the you know 150 200 bottle it's like accessible enough and like really good and anybody could have this on their shelf and make it last a long time and like you know like you did give it to guests and probably impress them as well and i think most people who don't like scotch could still really enjoy this one so nice yeah well i mean i i think everyone knows my favorite i agree with you 100 percent. although i think the uh the french oak is phenomenal um but different level see i'm gonna put my french oak at number two mainly because it's i can taste i i mean it's like i don't want to be snobbish about it but i can taste the the price and the quality behind it and it is different but it's like at 16 year it's like it is really good it's really smooth it's i mean it's rich it's tasty and i mean i would be hard pressed if i put the 200 dollars bottle in third place i'm sorry double wood double wood's great i'm not shitting on it but like i've had it i mean i've had it it's solid but like if i had to go to like a like a double oaked whiskey i would still probably prefer woodford but it is still very good for what it is yeah i i, I think i agree i think we have the same list the, the caribbean the french oak and then the double wood and that's not to say that i mean the ranking doesn't really matter all three are phenomenal and all three would be greatly enjoyed no matter where we are but the one fun part about this is that we we get to inform our palate more by having these different, these same branded whiskeys next to each other that have very different flavor profiles. And it kind of opens your your mouth and your mind and your nose up to more of what could be there than what you've, you know, you know, you've, you know, Balvini Caribbean cast, go to the bar, you order it, you know what to expect, but you've never had it next to other offerings and something else has been brought out from there that I think you and I both appreciate more. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I really appreciate you sharing all these with me and, you know, thanks for uh, thanks for asking about me. I, I uh, it's different. I uh, I don't know. I like it. It's fun. Well, being, being, yeah. being a little light shined on you. You know. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, and and just as just as you now know Balvini Scotch and have expanded your palate, we now know who Grant Brown is, and it is an absolute privilege. Oh, you're. you're I mean, I'm, I'm blushing. You're. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I. I, I I, I appreciate I like affirmation, but like I I'm always like I don't know what to do with compliments. I just want to like kind of turn away all bashfully and be like <laughs> make like a weird noise or something. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, that wraps up episode three. For the sake of complete transparency, this was recorded long ago as a proof of concept for what this new iteration of the podcast could be. 
So yes, parts of this were a bit stilted, and we edited lots of ums and ahs out as we traversed a new format. But Grant and I loved the way this felt, and I wasn't going to let a short bio episode of our producer go to waste. Uh, So sorry, Grant, but I wanted it to go out there and uh, be one of our first episodes. But episode four, releasing July 22nd, features a great friend of mine, Brad Lake, who joins me in tasting several different peated whiskeys. Grant and I both feel this will be the podcast's tone-setting episode and showcase what our intent with this project truly is. As always, please give us a follow on social media, share this episode with your friends, and shoot us a message if you want to enjoy free samples of whiskey and come in the pod. Cheers. Cheers.